0: You are listening to the plant-based Superpower Mom podcast, a podcast designed for moms seeking to incorporate all components of living a plant-based lifestyle, including food and far beyond. Oh, and welcome to another episode of the Plant-Based Superpower Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Wood, a registered dietitian, helping moms create more energy, confidence, and connection through the power of holistic plant-based living. If you are looking for more support on making the switch, you can request to join my free Plant-Based Superpower Mom Facebook group by clicking the link in the podcast description. In this week's episode, I spoke with Dr. Pamela Ferguson, a registered dietitian and strong advocate for the vegan lifestyle. She has over 15 years of broad and diverse experience and loves working with clients to help them achieve wellness goals and change their life through better nutrition. She has been featured in multiple podcasts, blogs, and conferences, and is actively involved in spreading the message of plant-based positivity. She shares with us her transition into vegan living and tips for how you can help your family do the same. She also talks to us about how our choices are negatively impacting this planet and things we can do to help preserve our precious environment. My favorite part of the conversation is when we discuss her recommendation for the most eco-friendly plant-based milk. Thank you for listening and enjoy this week's episode. Hi Pamela, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, thanks for having me. So I just have to start by saying that I love following you on social media because you are so versatile in your posts. It's like a little taste of everything vegan. <laughs> so you have, the <laughs> recipes, you have the recipes, you have the the latest news, um, just sustainability issues. I mean, just really a little bit of everything and it's just such a breath of fresh air because when we're talking about a vegan lifestyle, there are so many different aspects of it.
1: There are, and I find it all fascinating. And that's why I'm posting about all of it on social media.
0: Perfect. Well, I once again, I do enjoy following it. And your social media following is just your name, correct? Just For those listening?
1: Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at drpamela.rd. And you can find me on Facebook at drpamela.rd. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I have to ask because I just love hearing about
0: everybody's stories. Um, How long have you been vegan and what made you decide to make the switch?
1: Well, you know, I think, you know, people ask me this a lot and I, I'm afraid I actually can't pin down the exact time. I don't remember anymore exactly when this happened, but I'm going to say it was like five, six years ago, something like that. I, I, was in I had been vegetarian for a long time I actually went back to eating meat for a while I originally went vegetarian in college after reading diet for a small planet and um I was really concerned about um global malnutrition issues that's actually what I went on to do my PhD in and um was thinking you know we can feed the world if we just all eat plants you know but then I went and started working in international nutrition. I started working in Africa, and I was like, "Oh, it's a lot more complicated than that." And I felt kind of disillusioned. And I also didn't really have any community around or activism around my vegetarianism, and I wasn't vegan. Um, I hadn't made that connection. And so I kind of lost I became a bit disillusioned and lost sight of what was important to me in it. And then um, I Finished my PhD um, and ended up coming back to Canada. I I started deciding to open a private practice, and I started looking into the issues that we're facing Canadians. So rather than malnutrition, and instead we we're talking really about a situation of probably overnutrition, but overnutrition in a lot of ways with maybe um, some of the wrong foods. Um, you know, epidemics of obesity, diabetes, heart disease. And yet also people feeling really confused about what to eat. A lot of people really struggling um, with body image issues. And I became convinced from the reading I started doing and the research that going plant-based was the right thing to do. Um, watched a few documentaries. My daughter uh, got inspired about the idea of trying to go vegetarian. Um, and we just, I just decided, okay, this is time. This is time to do this um and you know it took a while for us to transition the rest of the family i went vegan first then my husband did he was he was on board though because he had been vegetarian actually for a really long time before that and uh he really had a heart for the animals and um i have to say that wasn't my initial reason for going vegan but very quickly after becoming vegan I started to become aware of the plight of animals in animal agriculture. And that became um, really the most important reason for me to declare myself as vegan rather than plant based and to be 100% uh, or at least 100% effort. I know little mistakes are going to happen now and then. I always try and read labels very carefully, that kind of thing. But every once in a while, I come up against some new thing I didn't know about. But um, I make 100% effort all the time. And, uh, it's for the animals that I do that because I think we can be for our health or for the environment. We can be sort of, you know, mostly plant-based, uh, and maybe that's enough, but when it comes to the animals, for me, it's, it's a hundred percent commitment.
0: And you know what I've heard too, is that really to continue with this lifestyle and fully embrace it is that it is helpful to have more than one reason for doing it. So you can start it for health but then you start to realize how it maybe impacts the environment, or you start to learn about how you're now becoming an advocate for the animals. So you kind of jump on the bandwagon, so to speak, with these other reasons that maybe weren't your initial. So do you agree with that? Or do you think just doing it for a health reason might be enough of a driving factor for some people?
1: I think for some people it probably will be, especially, I mean, I hate to say this, but someone who's maybe had a health scare, Um, you know, that may be enough for them. Someone who's, you know, maybe had a heart attack, Um, that may be enough for them to make the switch. But I think people like to feel good about the things that they're doing. And when you realize, hey, this isn't just good for me, it's also good for the planet. I mean, who's not going to buy into that? Who's not going to feel like, oh, yeah, I'm doing something for the planet. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of Uh, in our culture, kind of a masculine toughness that we're supposed to buy into um, where we're supposed to not really care about animals. We're supposed to think maybe we can care about pets, that we shouldn't care about animals in animal agriculture. We're supposed to shut off our compassion. Um, So maybe there's a a drive there to to be like, oh, bacon and stuff. But then um, I think when you start to unpack that and get past that and really realize Um, that these animals are sentient, they feel pain, um, and uh, they love being out in the outdoors, they love experiencing sunshine, they love having um, space to run around, Uh, they love to care for their young, all of that, then you think, oh, wait a minute, actually, I can't just see these as a resource uh, put on Earth for human benefit in fact that's really not true these animals value their own lives and we're breeding them in captivity um for our own use but that's actually um it's actually uh not like some sort of god-given right where we're at the top and they're underneath us you know and i think people when they start to really unpack these ideas and think more about it people are going to be on board with being compassionate and the fact that the diet is also good for the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I want to jump back to the family thing a little bit because it sounds like you know your daughter was was right on board. Your husband, it was probably an easier shift for him because he was vegetarian for a while before. Um, but I've heard from quite a few moms that their husband maybe isn't as supportive, right. or they have younger kids that just really don't understand why we're making the shift to more um, whole foods away from animal products. So what would be a little piece of advice for moms who are maybe struggling to get that immediate support in their families?
1: So we'll talk about um, maybe husbands separately from kids, (laughs) (laughs) although the the principles are really the same because the thing is that um, food choices are To a large extent, they're about control and they're about identity. And um, people like to control what they put into their own bodies. And even as the mom, if you're the person who's mostly buying the food and cooking the food in the household, that's fine. But then at the table, people still have control over what they're actually going to swallow. And that's where um, battles can start to occur. So I think it's important to get buy in from everyone. Um, We actually took about a year to transition um, our kids. Uh, We transitioned very slowly and made sure that they were on board with the idea. So um, even really young kids can talk about animal welfare. Uh, You know, kids generally tend to love animals. Maybe visiting a sanctuary is a good idea. Um, Bite Size Vegan has some videos on her website, on her YouTube about um, young ch- for, intended for young children, getting them on board with animal advocacy. Um, there are books as well that you can read to kids talking to them about animals. Um, so kids tend to love animals. A lot of kids don't even realize that when they're eating chicken, that actually is a real chicken. They think that that's the chicken that you eat is different from the chicken that runs around. Um, so I think talking to your kids about that Talking to your kids about the environment. Kids generally love the idea of saving the planet and being green. Um, so talking to your kids about your reasons why and trying to get them on board, that's number one. Number two, getting them involved to some extent in the shopping and the cooking so they feel they've had a part in it too. Um, so take your kids to the grocery store with you. I find that this is easier to do one kid at a time. Um, if you can, I know that's not always easy if you've got a few young children, but if you can manage to make one kid uh, your special helper or give them a different name, like I I did an internship with my kids um, and really it was like, you know, you're becoming junior master chefs and you're going to learn knife skills and you're going to learn and, you know, t- took them to the supermarket and whatever is age appropriate for your kids. But Don't give them all the choice. That's too confusing. But choosing between maybe two or three different things like, okay, we're going to make smoothies together. Smoothies is a great entry point because it's just like milkshakes almost and they're nice bright colors and they're generally sweet tastes that are easy for kids to um, get on board with. So choosing nice ripe bananas that are nice and sweet um, and then maybe some berries or some frozen mango, that kind of thing and give the kids a couple of choices. So today, are we going to make very, very smoothies? or Are we going to make green monster smoothies, you know, and give it a fun name and get them choosing and putting the ingredients into the blender and then pushing the button and they'll feel a part of it and be a bit more on board. Then the next thing to do with them on another trip would be um, choosing which vegetable you're going to try that night. We're going to try a new vegetable. Should we try kale? Should we try Brussels sprouts? Let's see what the vegetable looks like when it's raw what does it look like maybe look at a picture online what how does it look when it grows um that kind of thing or if you have the opportunity to visit a farmer's market or even a farm to see how the vegetables grow and get them involved a little bit in the cooking they don't have to be in the kitchen for the entire 45 minutes or whatever that you're cooking but call them in and say okay i you know i need my intern and my junior master chef here to help me we're going to stir the sauce or whatever it is but they're involved in some way, and maybe giving them a little bit of choice as well, um, so they feel that they have some power in the situation. I think husbands are um, a little bit trickier <laughs> in some ways, uh, but you know, really speaking honestly with your partner about that, this is something that's really important to you that whatever your reasons are, be very authentic in your own reasons and um, really explain why this is important to you, whether you are motivated by your health and the health of your family, or maybe by the environment, or maybe you're concerned um, about the animals, but speak from your heart and let them know that this is important. Really listen to them. Listen to what their barriers are. Maybe they don't like the taste. Maybe they're afraid, you know, soy is going to give them man boobs. Maybe um, they, it's just something unfamiliar and new and they want um, their, their recipes that they're familiar with. They like their favorite foods. And that's my final tip, really, is to start with what you love. So you don't have to go from a family that eats like steak, potatoes, and a vegetable to a family that eats quinoa salads. It doesn't have to be overnight that you make like such a huge transition like that. Take a a favorite recipe for your family, maybe that's spaghetti and meatballs, and try spaghetti and lentil balls. Or even start with just decreasing the amount of meat in the meatball by half and replace half with lentils or half with mushrooms. Same thing with like shepherd's pie, or maybe your family loves chicken curry. So try a chickpea curry, or maybe do a a recipe that's half chicken and half chickpeas slowly making that transition maybe once a week do a completely meatless day the other days maybe have one meatless meal in the day start with breakfast breakfast is an easy one to do meatless mm-hmm. um, there's so many options porridge overnight oats avocado toast chia pudding there's so many delicious uh plant-based breakfasts. Mm-hmm. tofu scramble if you've got a savory breakfast lover pancakes so I love how you're
0: saying all this, because I feel like so many people think if they don't make this change quickly, that they're failing, that if they're not eating a hundred percent vegan and plant-based right away, that they're, that they're failing. And that's, that's so not it. And I myself emphasize, this is
1: very much a transition and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, everyone's going to have their own pace, um, And there are people I know of who did make this transition overnight. They literally like watched earthlings or something and went and that's it. They never touched any more animal products after that experience, but that's kind of rare. I'm going to say for more people, it's a slow process. It's a transition Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Um, You know, just moving, keep moving in the direction that your motivations take you. But you only need to move at the pace that um, you're comfortable with. And if you yourself want to move faster than the rest of your family, that can be okay too. You know, you can um, do meals like fajitas or tacos or pizzas where you different people are able to add different toppings. Um, And so, you know, you could have tacos where you've got like uh, lentils or beans on the table, but you also have some ground beef and you also have. Lots of veggie toppings, and people are choosing what to add. And what I would say is, say, you know, it's build your own tacos. You can put whatever you want on your taco, but everyone needs to at least put two veggie toppings, right? And then you slowly decrease um, the meat being there. Or maybe one time you buy the veggie ground round that is very similar to meat, rather than trying to jump all the way to lentils, try like the veggie. Um, uh, Eves is one brand. There are many brands, um, and put that out, and you may find that your family tolerates that more easily because it looks and tastes quite similar to ground beef. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Great, that's awesome. Those are some amazing tips, because uh, I get a lot of those kinds of questions in the Plant Based Mom Facebook group that I have with those certain struggles. So, so that's awesome. Sure. I'm excited share all that with them. Now, I know that there's been a lot out there about a lot of athletes transitioning to a more plant-based vegan diet because they're seeing some benefits from it. And I know you're very athletic. Um, So did you notice changes in your energy or endurance or anything like that when you made the switch? The
1: main difference by far that I would say is recovery. I could not believe the difference in, um, recovery time after going plant-based, you know, that feeling after you run, like, say like a half marathon race or something. And then the next day you try to walk down the stairs and you're like walking, like you're 90 years old, you know, you can't, uh, sit down comfortably. You're like easing into the chair and that kind of thing. I remember I did, after going plant-based, I did uh, a 100-kilometer ultra race, and the next morning I was going to work, and I almost missed the bus, and I had to run down the stairs to catch the bus, and I was getting on the bus, and I was like, oh, I just ran down the stairs after the next day after running an ultra, like, and there's no way that before I was plant-based I would have been able to do that, so um, it really is a huge change in terms of recovery time. That's definitely important.
0: And it always feels like the second day that you're the sorest for some reason. That's right,
1: that's true. But I was good the second day too. And you know, um, the thing is too, the importance of recovery is that when you recover quickly, then you can get back out there and do more training. You don't have to take so much time to recover. So you can increase your training load because you're recovering more quickly. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So I want to switch gears just a little bit about and talk a little bit about environmental sustainability Um, so as far as the amount of meat that we're eating as a human race how is this directly impacting the environment
1: well meat dairy eggs unfortunately impacts the environment very negatively i hate to um, be the bearer of bad news for people who are consuming animal products but um you know the animal agriculture sector is one of the biggest polluters Um, particularly ruminant animals. So we're talking cows predominantly from what we eat, but also goats and sheep, um, animals that chew their cud, they produce a lot of methane. And these cow burps and cow farts are really contributing a huge amount of greenhouse gases to the environment. So we look at greenhouse gases, methane, carbon, we also look at water use and land use. So um, plants uh, generally have a lower impact in terms of all three of those, particularly greenhouse gases and land use. Um, because when we think about land use, uh, and this goes back to you know some of my original reasons for going vegetarian, you look around the world at, at the amount of agricultural land that we're using to grow crops, and if we were just using all of that land to feed people, we would only need, a, you know, a, a much smaller amount of land. Because if you're using the land to grow crops to feed animals, and then feeding those animals, and then the people are eating the the animals, um, it's a very inefficient system because uh, it takes around oh. I'm I'm struggling to maybe come up with the exact number here, but I'm going to say maybe it takes around eight calories um, to produce um, one calorie of meat. Um, eight calories of grains to produce one calorie of of meat. So we might as well just have humans eating the grains directly rather than trying to produce um, protein and calories through animals. Mm-hmm. Um, And then when it comes to water use, it's a little bit more mixed here. Uh, Generally speaking, still it's animal products that use the most water, but there are some um, plants, like almonds are a famous example that use quite a lot of water. But when you look at a plant-based diet overall, the water impact is a lot lower. Um, If you're looking for a plant-based milk that uses less water than almond milk, maybe you're an almond milk lover, um, I'd encourage you to take a look at oat milk. Um, really, all of the other oat, all of the other plant milks will use less water than um, almond milk, but oat milk is a bit of a star environmentally because, generally speaking, the oats um, are only watered. Using rainwater. Uh, They're not usually um, watered through irrigation systems and they're grown right here in North America as well. Um, We're not importing them and um, because uh, they also um, do have quite a bit of protein, Um, whereas, like almond milk would have maybe one gram of protein per cup, um, and oat milk has around five grams of protein per cup compare that to dairy milk that has maybe eight grams and soy milk also has eight grams. Um, But you know, if you're looking across the board at which milk to choose and you're looking from an environmental perspective, then in terms of water use, almonds are potentially problematic. But I think we get overly hung up on that because overall a plant-based diet is much better for the environment. Mm -hmm. So as far as,
0: If we're continuing at the pace that we're on, what is the future going to look like for our children?
1: (laughs) Oh, you know, it really honestly is quite depressing. I mean, we're hearing stories that even in the next generation, there might be no more fish in the sea. I mean, really, it's just, it's unthinkable. Um, And yet, even as I say it's unthinkable, when you look at the number of wild species that have gone extinct um even in our lifetime in our generation um you know we are dramatically reducing the number of wild species in the world and we are dramatically increasing uh the amount of um agricultural animals in the world and when you look at mammals in the world the number of animals in animal agriculture far outweighs the number of um animals who are wild in the world. And what a terrible thing that we have done to our planet um, by you know, decimating our wild creatures and replacing them with domesticated agricultural animals who are living um, horrible lives. And as far as, I wanna go back to the fish because I think there's
0: this common misconception that the oceans are just endless. And well, we can't overfish, or the fish are never going to be extinct, but that's, that's actually quite the opposite.
1: Unfortunately, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. And I think it's not just because of overfishing. I think that is one contributor, but it's also um, you know, changes in the ocean temperatures that are maybe making certain areas um, inhospitable to life. Uh, for the animals, I know that for the fish, I know that coral reefs, for example, are being destroyed um, because of bleaching from the sun. Um, we're really damaging our um, our seas so much, and I'm hopeful maybe that there can be some chance of recovery. But uh, you know, it's not looking good. And uh, I was reading an article the other day about how often. Fish and seafood are mislabeled. So even for people who are thinking, "Oh, I'm buying the more ethical or the more sustainable um, fish," you know, I've got an app that I use to find sustainable fish. Um, Then you you could very well be wrong because quite often they're finding that um, fish and seafood are mislabeled, and therefore people are buying something that they have no idea what it is. Yeah, that's that's really too bad. The
0: mislabeling, you're trying to make a conscious effort and then...
1: Right, exactly. Uh, and you're going, being misinformed.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. really too bad. So as far as preserving this environment or revitalizing it, even, you know, eating more plant-based foods, yes, generally speaking, but is there any other specific suggestions that you have, even little things that we can do every day that will help get us in a better place?
1: In terms of the environment? Yes. So if you're already eating plant-based, I would say try and eat as whole food plant-based as you can. Um, I think choosing more in the winter time, maybe choosing more root vegetables and like potatoes, sweet potatoes, beets, cabbages, those kinds of things are going to be less expensive, but they're also going to be a little bit better for the environment, lentils, dry beans, that kind of thing rather than um, always relying on um, fruit uh, in the winter or you know fresh lettuces and things remember that you've already made the big step which is going plant-based but i just want to help people who are already plant-based to be even more environmentally friendly so that's one thing you can do you can try to reduce the amount of um, processed food and packaging that you have with your food so buying in bulk more often Um, and cooking from scratch more often. Um, You can also look to, you know, frozen or canned fruits and vegetables as well will be a bit more environmentally friendly uh, than some fresh ones that are being imported in the winter. Reducing food waste is a big deal as well um, at household level. So try to use your leftovers creatively. I always try and do something new with the leftovers. So, you know, An example I often give will be chili. I'll make up a big chili on the weekend. We'll eat chili and rice, say, on Sunday. I'll put the chili back in the fridge, the leftovers, and then we'll have chili again on Tuesday, but they won't recognize it because it'll be Taco Tuesday and we'll have chili in the tacos. Or I'll use um, the chili uh, and the leftover rice and combine them um, and put it in the food processor with some flaxseed, maybe some oats, um, process it and then press it into burgers and bake those or fry those as burgers, um, and now they're veggie burgers. And the kids like don't even realize that that has anything to do with the chili that they ate on Sunday. It's a completely new meal for them. They're like, oh yay, we're having veggie burgers. That's fun. Um, so trying to reduce your um, food waste by using leftovers, by doing a little bit of meal planning, so you don't. I mean, the thing we often do is like buy a bunch, like we're at the store We think, oh, we're going to be so healthy this week. I'm going to buy all these green vegetables, and then you kind of get distracted. And Friday comes, and these vegetables are looking limp and sad in the in the fridge, and you like aren't motivated to eat them anymore. Don't let yourself get in that place. Either do the meal prep on Sunday when, the, when things are nice and fresh to prep them so that you're ready to eat them during the week. Or if that does happen, and it happens to the best of us, make soup uh, you know, make a casserole. Uh, you don't have to eat those things just as salads. You could like make a broccoli soup or a kale and sweet potato soup or something like that. Um, so that, you know, you can kind of revitalize, uh, some vegetables that are maybe not looking quite as fresh as they were five days ago. Mm -hmm. And I love following your
0: recipes. I know you post a bunch on Instagram and there's a bunch on your website and I'm waiting for you to make a cookbook. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but but honestly, they're great. They're simple. They're super family friendly. So if anyone's listening, definitely check those out. And there will be Thank links you. to uh, to your website as well, as well as your Instagram and Facebook in the episode description. Um, but yeah, so I just I just wanna wanna really end. I mean, you ended with a bunch of tips, which is really the way I wanted to end, anyways, because I think there's just so many questions still when. People, especially families make the jump. So many little things that maybe you didn't know about or you can't find the answers to um, because kids can be tricky (laughs) and sometimes husbands, as we discussed before. So, I mean, any last words for somebody who's making, you know, wants to make the shift, but just don't know if it's practical or think it might be too expensive? Any of those common, you know, those common doubts that people have?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I want to put one thing to rest in that it does not need to be expensive. Um, it will be more expensive if you're buying more processed vegan products. Um, and, you know, those things can be enjoyable um, to have. But if you're cooking more from full foods, um, potatoes, rice, um, barley, buckwheat, um, sweet potatoes, kale, uh, carrots, beets, cabbage, these things could not be cheaper. They are the cheapest nutrition and yet they're so good for you. So, um don't don't be concerned about that. You know, you don't have to spend a lot more money just because you're going plant-based. Um in terms of uh the difficulty, just look for very easy recipes. I mean, I do have some recipes up. I'd love for you to try my recipes anytime, but then you can also look to people like the minimalist baker. Um, she's one of the my favorite bloggers. She has thousands of recipes, and her recipes are very simple. So they tend to be 10 ingredients or less, one bowl, uh 30 minutes. That's her rules of how she likes to make her recipes. And that's you know, that's exactly how busy moms are cooking um, because we don't have time to spend hours and hours in the kitchen. So I think um, look for things that are easy look for things that are not too expensive and uh, just move at the pace that you are comfortable with and also find other moms for support, right? Or, or other, I, we shouldn't be so gender. It doesn't always have to be moms. I, you know, I, I know there, I have definitely met couples where it's the guy who um, does more of the cooking or the guy who, um, it takes the lead and, uh, is the first one to go, uh, vegan. But, you know, it is definitely true that there are more women who, uh, are plant-based than men. Um, and so we don't want to diminish that, but, um, whoever you are in your family, um, if you are the one who's got this idea and you would like to, Um, go plant-based. I would also say, don't necessarily put pressure on yourself that this is like a lifetime commitment that you're making initially. I'll say when I first went plant-based, when I first went vegan, I did it for a month. I was like, let's try for a month and see how it goes. And this is even me, who's a registered dietitian with a PhD in nutrition, and I'd already been vegetarian for many years. And still, I was just like, let's try and see didn't put pressure on myself and after a month I was like wow this is so easy I actually feel really good it wasn't nearly as complicated as I thought it might be I'm going to keep going so you know just don't um don't be so hard on yourself you're probably doing a lot more than you think and even any improvements that you're making for the animals for the environment and for your health are are making a difference yes well said
0: well I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here today this was invaluable information that you shared with us. And if you're listening, and you'd like to find out more about Dr. Pamela Ferguson, please be sure to check out her full bio in the episode description. And that will also include all the links to all her social media pages. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much. If you are liking the Plant-Based Superpower Mom podcast, be sure to hit that subscribe button and share with your friends and family.